Amen. Well, hey, everybody. It's good to see you. Hey, Jackie. Good to see you back there, honey. Kind of your hair do there. Okay. Is that what everybody we're up in Washington, honey? <laughs> it's very nice. I like that. It's good to see you. Uh, just real quick before Cindy and I t- take a few moments and share this morning. Next week is going to be a special Sunday, really a Sunday of celebration. Uh, we are meeting back here downtown, uh, time of worship, time of just sharing some testimonies. So I want to know if you have a testimony you would like to share, something of just the goodness of God, something that you just kind of really ex- ex- have experienced, uh, something that God has been doing in your, in your life. We'd love for you to share it, you know. And then we're also going to be doing some water baptism. Uh, if you uh, have never been water baptized, you need to be, okay? It's, still, it's such a powerful thing. If you have someone in your family, a child or youth that would need to, would like to be water baptized, or if you have already been water baptized, but, you know, at a younger, as a, young, a younger age, maybe you didn't quite understand fully what it meant. I know a lot of people, as they gain a greater revelation of their oneness in Christ and, and how not only has God brought them into life, but He's brought them into a place of death of their old man and we're going to be sharing about that a little bit this morning so i just so if you would like to be water baptized please let me know you can email me so we can prepare be prepared for that next sunday also we're going to be having a food truck out front uh to uh we're we're going out i think after the service some are with debbie and dave to invite college students to come out next sunday if you'd like to be a part of that for a few minutes after the service, just see these guys and go out. But it, it, we're providing free coffee for everybody next Sunday. and uh, But they have all sorts of stuff on this truck, I believe, right, Danielle? Well, we might have to smuggle some Krispy Kremes in here or something. They have to. Man, how can you have church without Krispy Kremes, you know? So, um, but we're going to have a great time together and a uh, time of just maybe engaging some of the students. We're providing them some free coupons to get coffee and things like that. Everybody will, uh, if you're here next Sunday, and hopefully you will be, um, you'll have a free coupon. If you drink coffee, I don't drink coffee. So uh, I can give mine to somebody else. But I do eat Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I do. I'm not supposed to, but I do. <laughs> All right. Y'all ready this morning? Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, I know anymore we have things up on the screen. I want to share with you out of, as we get started, out of Psalm 112. It's a passage I was reading through this past week and I came across this and just it's just so spoke volumes to my heart and what Cindy and I are sharing. We're going to share a little bit today. Uh, I know we don't have enough time to share probably everything that's in our hearts uh, or everything that's in her heart, and uh, for sure. But I uh, want to share about the, the present reality of a steadfast heart. 
the present reality of a steadfast heart. And, um, you know, we have, a, as believers, we have such a great opportunity during, during the things that we're walking through right now to, uh, for that part of our life, part of our life in Christ, of that steadfastness uh, to really shine forth, you know, and, uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, but in Psalm 112, it really deals with this. And in verse 1, and then I will skip to verse 7 here, it says, Shout in celebration of praise to the Lord. Everyone who loves the Lord and delights in Him will cherish His words and be blessed beyond expectation. How many of you like to be blessed beyond expectation? It's a pretty good thing, in it, isn't it? But God says there's a place in Him. There's a place that you have in Him because you're joined with Him. There's a place in Him that, that you're going to be blessed beyond expectation, says here. He says in that place, because I don't know about you, but when we enter into the presence of God, praise just automatically flows, doesn't it? Like this morning, it was so good. Just praise automatically flows out of just of his of his loving presence of his abiding presence that he has in our lives you know and the and the writer of psalms here he says listen i i have an expectation <laughs> that i'm going to shout in praise i'm going to celebrate in praise because i love the lord i delighted him i cherish his words and i have an expectation that blessings are going to come upon my life. And so he opens the psalm like that, but then he, in verse 7, uh, I encourage you to read through the whole, the whole chapter here. But I love this because I think it really, kind of really deals with, excuse me, what are you doing? Excuse me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, just listen. I will embarrass you. I will embarrass you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I didn't embarrass Danielle. Lord, I repent if I embarrass Danielle. I know, I know. But in verse seven, it says here, and this is, this is as a result of our, of our oneness in God, of our cherishing his words, our honoring him, our loving him, our, and that our delight that we have him. It says that they will not live in fear or dread of what may come. How many believe that's a word for today? It's a word for today for our nation, for our lives, for our communities, for our families. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come. For their hearts are firm, or in the King James Version or New King James, it says that our hearts are steadfast. Our hearts are steadfast. They're firm. Will not be moved. Ever secure in their faith. So it says that they will, they will not live in fear or dread of what may come. For their hearts are steadfast, firm, ever secure in their faith. There is, there is that place in God that we can live there. Not just that it becomes a visitation every once in a while. 
You know, I, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you um, these last couple of years, you know, we've we've had the opportunity to try to live out of a place of steadfastness. Now, this young lady here has done a much better job than I think I have. Really, I, I just I want to take a moment and just brag on my wife. You know, uh, when you, when you get a when you get a diagnosis of cancer that cannot be cured, cancer that is probably going to take your life in about a month, and that was the that was the declaration that was over Cindy. It was an incurable cancer; it would never be cured. We can we can do some treatment, but that's just the way it is. But we don't expect her. The doctor told us later he didn't expect her to live more than a month. But I want to tell you, I have been so blessed as I've walked with her of the steadfastness of her faith, the steadfastness of her love for the Lord, the steadfastness of her joy, the steadfastness that there's not been fear that has marked her life at any time during this time. You know? And it's, it's been an amazing thing, but I know it's because she has chosen to say, listen, Father, I, I am going, I want a greater revelation of you. I want a greater revelation of my oneness with you. I want a greater revelation of who you are in me. And as we, as we hunger after that and thirst after that, I tell you, something begins to be transformed in our life. It says that, that if, 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 we, if we don't respond to things in faith, we're going to be tossed to and fro like on the sea. Well, I'll tell you, the reason that we can, be, we can remain in a steadfast place is because God exists in a steadfast place. If you go through Scripture, it's amazing. If you just do a word study on steadfast and you go through the Scripture, you will be amazed how much one that it describes the person of God, but as also it describes the person of the believer. Describes both, and we know because his his DNA, his who he is, is alive on the inside of us, because he's steadfast to his word. He's steadfast in his love. He's steadfast in his grace. He's steadfast in his mercy. He's steadfast in the things that he has spoken that we know that that lives on the inside of us and enables us during difficult times, during troubled times, during unexpected times to be able to say, Father, I can, I can walk through this in a sure and steadfast way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to... This is one of those moments where it's talking about you. Say, he's talking about me. Say that again. He's talking about me. All right. Paul is talking about you. He says here in chapter 15, starting verse 57 and 58, but we thank God for giving us victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. There's always already a proclamation that we are victors. 
there's already a proclamation. And no matter what we face, whether it's cancer, whether it's heart attacks, <laughs> whether it's surgery coming up this week for Cindy, that we are gonna we are gonna be steadfast. We choose to be steadfast. Now you can choose to be all over the place if you want to. You can choose that. You can live in that place of worry and stress and anxiety and fear. And sometimes that's what, what that's what we choose. Sometimes we 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 forget what we what we, who we are in God and who God is. And that's that's where we are at. But it goes on with this. So now, beloved ones, I love when God calls us His beloved ones. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, steadfast, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. See, that's what steadfastness produces in our life. An unshakable confidence in the ability of God. Because the thing about it is that we understand, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I think, chapter 3, I believe he says, he says, on my own, I have no, I have no sufficiency about my life. But the sufficiency that's within my life is not because of me, but because of the Lord. And that he, that he, he has filled me with his sufficiency. See, there is, there is nothing greater, nothing more daunting, nothing greater than what is God's capability. I wrote something down here. It says, no situation in life is below God's capability. Think about that for a second. No situation in life is below God's capability. So it means that everything that we go through in life, every difficulty, every unsurety, everything that, you know, we, we hear the news, we hear, oh, the cases are going up, COVID cases are going up. And you listen to that stuff long enough, I tell you, fear will begin to grip your heart of thinking, well, I can't go anywhere then. You know, I can't interact anywhere. And that's just not true. It's not true. God is greater. No situation in his life is below God's capability. But here in this part, it says, live your lives with unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord. Because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Amen? Fruit that endures. I love that. Okay, baby. So how did you, how did you do that? <laughs> I just want to talk just a minute about trusting God. Because... I've, I've realized that in every situation, every circumstance in our life, there are two decisions that we make. Either we trust that God is true or we walk in unbelief. That's the only two choices. And you know, you can say, well, you know, unbelief, I can't believe what I don't believe. 
but it really is a choice that we make. And uh, God says, you know, there is nothing impossible with me. He said, if you want to believe, he said, that's all I'm looking for. He said, I can take that desire and I can turn it into reality. He said, but so many people um, will say with their mouth one thing, but in their heart, they don't believe. And they really don't want to. Because unbelief is a very familiar road that we walk down. Because most of us who have not been walking with the Lord our entire lives, and even even if we have, the things that we learn about God, the... um, the people we experience, how, how you got saved, what you got saved into, determines what you believe. And it's only as you enter into an intimate place with God that he is able then to start changing and shifting those preconceived ideas we have about who God is. Because... I mean, think about it. If you're born into a family who is, let's say, they're um, Catholic, maybe, or, or a denomination where they believe Holy Spirit doesn't exist, that's a demonic thing, well, you're going to have certain beliefs about your salvation and about who God is. And it, it gets into your heart... And everything you do flows from that place. So somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, you can be filled with Holy Spirit and you can lay your hands on people and they'll be healed. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. So, but the closer you get to God, the more you start to trust, okay, wait a minute. I'm starting to see things a little more clearly. So what we believe about God really has a lot to do with what your parents were like, what your childhood was like, what your, you know, you you believe those things. And uh, the Lord has had me in in Hebrews a lot recently, and Hebrews 4. And uh, Hebrews 4.12, and I I didn't give the scripture because it's the mirror translation or the mirror study Bible. It talks about how the word, the living word, the testimony, the message that God spoke to us in Christ, that that word literally um, breaks the dominance of that sense realm that we live in because most of us have this idea well if I touch it feel it taste it see it hear it that's what's real and so that has dominated our life and it's literally um, made our spirit uh, it's taken the power away from our spirit and, the, and our spirit is, is the part of us that connects to heaven, that connects to truth, 
And the spirit is supposed to be the ruling influence of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So, so what God has to do is he draws us into his heart so that he can unmesh our spirits and souls so that our spirit can take its place and our soul doesn't have to do the spirit's job any longer because it's not very good at doing the spirit's job. It's always speaking out of fear. Right? Back in um, July of 2018, the Lord, the Lord speaks to me through journaling. I will, you know, I'll just be worshiping or praying and I'll feel like, okay, God has something to say to me. So I'll pick up my pen and I'll just start writing what I hear. And, you know, and I write, and then when I read it again, I'm like, whoa, I could have never come up with that. <laughs> you know, so in, uh, in 2018, there's a lot of stuff going on in my life at that point. I, I, I knew at that point that there was things going on, and the Lord had told me, don't speak about it, because your life depends on it. He said, if you speak about this, then you're going to start believing the reports. And he said, so I want you just to hear my voice because I want you to believe my report. So one of the, one of the things that he did was he gave me this little kind of vision. And I just want to read it to you uh, because it literally is, it talks about the journey that we're on and our belief. Very simple though. I found myself in a dark valley, and I had a leash in my hand. It was straining and snarling and vicious. I was being pulled this way and that, and I couldn't see what was attached, but it was strong and it was dragging me. I wasn't totally out of control, and sometimes I could contain it, but I knew I couldn't control it. If I let my guard down for one moment, it would take me somewhere I didn't want to go. And I said out loud, I said, this is really hard. I'm really tired. Jesus, why aren't you helping me? And this is what he said to me. He said, you have to give me the leash and trust me to take care of it. He said, I can't share this with you. You have to let go completely and not jump in to help when I do the unexpected with it. And I said, well, it's been with me all my life. I don't know what I'd do without it. But I'm really tired of trying to control it. But I really don't trust anyone else to know how to handle it. Yes, I know, the Lord said. This is what we've been working on with you. You think you trust me with your life, but you want to keep one hand on the leash while I take it. It's either me holding it and you trusting me, or I'll walk beside you while you struggle with it. So at this point, I realized that the big leash branched out, and there were a lot of little leashes attached to it. 
And I said, I don't even know what's on the other end of it. He said, yeah, I know. He said, you'll fight to hang on because that's what you've always done. He said, think about it. If you give the leash to me, your life as you know it will drastically change. You have to decide whether I'm good or whether I'm not. Will it change for the better or will it be worse? Remember, and this is what he told me some time before, he said the same old, same old is not easier. It's just familiar. I want to trust you, so here, take the leash. By the way, what's attached to it? He said, that's a good question. I'll show you. And as I handed him the leash, I saw a large number of small, snarly, ugly little critters. What is that, I said. He said, that's all your fears. I said, well, they don't look that powerful. He said, not in my hands. When you have them and try to control them, you give them form, substance, and power. They can't glean that from me. They take their true form in my hands. And recently, actually in July of 2020, the Lord added to that just a little bit. And I was in South Carolina at the time, and he, I'm not going to read everything he shared. I'm just going to read two sentences. He said, you've asked me to deal with your unbelief, but I want you to understand it's the leash in your hand that tethers fear to you. Unbelief causes us to walk in fear. Actually not walk in fear, being drugged by fear into places we don't want to go. But it's our choice whether or not we want to hand that over to the Lord and say, God, deal with this in me. I want the thoughts and intents of my heart to be pure. I want them to believe. I heard somebody say... um, the K reminded me that uh, we were listening to a teaching and they said, do you know what God's love language is? You believe in his word. That's his love language because his word is his highest. That's him. That's who he is. So, and the only way we can believe is to press into his heart and to become intimate with who he is. That's the only way. Because literally, belief produces rest. Rest is the, is, it's, it's the ultimate form of trust. Because if you do not trust, if you do not believe God, you're going to operate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know what the motto of that tree is? You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. And every circumstance and situation becomes to you either a reward for what you've done or not done or a punishment for what you've done or not done. In a place of rest, every circumstance or situation becomes a stepping stone 
to find provision from God to bring you into a higher place in him. So it's perspective. It's your perception of who he is. So that's sort of a little bit of where we're going with that. And I, um, Doug is going to share a little bit about the cross because that's uh, so tight. If I get to it, yeah. we'll see. One thing I'd be proud to do that, I, I want to share because I, I love uh, I've loved examples in, in the scripture of what Cindy was talking about here about the place of just being at a place of rest. You know, we're talking about the present reality of a steadfast heart, and that's such a key of what we believe in God. You know, and that we, we're accustomed to His language. We know His language. And uh, But there's a, there's a passage in, in Mark chapter 4. Uh, most of the time we think about Mark chapter 4, we go, oh yeah, the, the sower and the seed. You know, and Rifle has preached on that before. You know, the sower goes out to plant the seed. But chapter 4 opens up, and uh, there by the seed. Jesus said to the disciples, and a multitude of people. And so um, so Jesus gets in the boat like he would from time to time and go out just a little way so he had some room. And, uh, and he would teach, and he would share parables, and he would just share about the kingdom of God. And that day, that he taught the entire day. One parable after another parable after another, giving understanding of what it meant, things like that. And it was amazing. And the multitude stayed there the entire day. And in, a, in the latter part of chapter 4, Jesus says, okay, it's getting dark now. It's time for us to go to the other side. And so they have to they get into boats, <clears throat> and they begin to and they begin to go across the sea there. And uh, of course, most of us are familiar with the story that as they're on their trip across in the boat, now now think about it here, the the guys that are are you know rowing or manning the boat or whatever, they're experienced fishermen. They have most of their lives. They have been around boats. They've navigated boats. They know what it's like. They know what it's like in good weather and bad weather. And it says all of a sudden this tremendous storm came up. And it, and it began to be so furious that the boat began to fill with water. And these experienced fishermen, they begin to freak out. They begin to get all filled with fear and worry and stress. And you, if you think about it, if you if you ask, okay, uh, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna fill this boat with some experienced fishermen and a carpenter, who do you think would probably be the most fearful? You know, probably the person that has spent most of their time on land. You know, it's the carpenter, of course. But here they are, and they're freaking out, and they turn around, and Jesus is behind them in the stern of the boat, and, 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 and he's asleep. He's totally at peace, totally at rest, as Cindy was talking about, totally at rest. And they run, and they grab Jesus, and they said, Jesus, don't you even care? 
Now, if there's one thing that we know is that they really didn't know Jesus very well. <laughs> and, and sometimes those words come out of our mouths too, don't they? God, don't you even care? Don't you even care what I'm going through right now? And those words usually come out of our mouth because we don't really understand God. And Jesus, they wake him up and they said, Jesus, we're getting ready to drown. You've got to do something. And so he simply, he does this. He stands up and he just says, peace, be still. And, uh, and all of a sudden, everything became calm. You know, I don't know about you, but I've always had this picture in my mind of Jesus standing up, stretching out his hand, you know, this authoritative voice. You know, I command you, winds, rain, be still, peace. He may have done that, I don't know. But because Jesus had a union with the Father, just as we have a union with the Father, the same union, nothing different. Because Jesus had a union with the Father, he was at rest. He knew the Father had it in control. And I believe when he stood up, all that Jesus did was to release that which was in him. And at that moment, the only thing that was in Jesus was peace. And I think out of his mouth came the words, peace, be still, because that's what was within him at that moment. You know, maybe he said it in a very authoritative way. I don't know. But I just know that when he released that which was within him out of the union with his father, it all changed. The whole atmosphere changed. What do you release out of you in the midst of the storm? And in the midst of that place of just such a clear picture of the steadfastness of his heart, he just released peace. And it it changed the atmosphere right there. The, the thing about it is that you will release something out of your life in the midst of the storm. And whatever you release out of your life will change, will touch the atmosphere around you. If you release fear, fear will permeate the atmosphere. If you release frustration, frustration is going to permeate the atmosphere. If you release stress, worry, whatever it is, it's going to permeate the atmosphere. But I'm going to tell you, if you understand who you are in God and, and that you are, you are one with Him and you share in that oneness and that He lives on the inside of you and the peace that He has, you have, and the grace that He has, you have. And the love that he has, you have. And he just wants you to release it. And I think when we're in a place of steadfastness, that's what we release. When we understand what steadfastness is, that, that being steady and firm, immovable, stable, 
And it's all because of Him. It's not because of us at all. Listen, I, I, have, I have experienced me <laughs> when I am not resting in the Father. It's not a pretty picture. But I, from time to time, I experience what I've seen within Cindy's life so much of just that rest. And I tell you, it permeates the atmosphere. It really does. I still remember the time early on when Cindy, uh, you know, we knew that, that this, this was cancer. We knew that she'd been diagnosed. And we knew that this lump was huge. And we knew that it was the worst cancer you could have. We knew that. And Cindy was in such peace. Such peace. I was just, it astounded me because I'm freaking out a little bit. I don't want to freak out. You know, I want to be better than that. And so I asked Cindy, I said, honey, can you tell me again what God spoke to your heart that brought such peace to you? And we're sitting on the couch. I still remember this. We're sitting on the couch and she begins to share. And she does. She just releases. Releases that oneness out of her. It was like Jesus standing up. It was like Cindy standing up (laughs) in the midst of our living room. And she just says, peace, be still. Cancer, be still. And I don't, I can't explain. And I've been in places where the anointing of God is so transferable. But something happened. I felt it literally coming on me of, of, of just a, when she began, she's releasing her words, releasing the Father's words, releasing His language. She's releasing those things. It brought such a peace within me that's been there the entire time for a year and a half of going through all the chemo treatments and still going through chemo treatments and, but going through all everything. And we've just seen over and over again where there's been no side effects from the chemo treatments. She'll go through a chemo treatment, go home and she's, everything's good. It's just nothing. There's been no sickness, no after effects, no nothing, just good. And we've seen how, you know, how that peace, that oneness that we've shared, that steadfastness has changed the doctor, has changed our oncologist, where, where he didn't know what to make of us when he first met us. But he now proclaims and says, your God is is changing me. He's changing me. And it's an amazing thing. And he he confesses with his own mouth. Listen, I understand it's something beyond just the chemo. Something greater than that. You know, listen, we are, when God speaks to you and me, he speaks about our newness. See, we are new creations in Him. He never addresses you 
with, uh, concerning your old man. He never addresses you concerning your old man because your old man is dead. Your old man is dead. And the only thing that, G, that God can, can, can relate to is who you are in Him now as new. So when God speaks to you, even in difficult times, He's going to speak newness, newness to you constantly. I was listening this past week something to, that Graham Cook said. He said, we can live in two places, either present past or present future. He said, when you live in a place of present past, you allow the things of the past still affect your life. You allow the things that have hurt you, that has brought injury to you, that has brought hurt, you know, pain to you, or experiences or failures, whatever, you still allow those things to control you today. Or you live in present future. You live in a place of knowing that because that God brings newness into my life continually. I wish I had more time to share a little bit more about the cross, but I know this. On July 16th, 1972, there was a death and a burial that happened. And it happened to me. See, I thought that, I thought that day that I, I met, I, I had a, I had a, a, a living new experience in my life. And I thought about, oh, I, I, I've, you know, I've met God. That my life has become new. What I didn't realize that before my life became new, I died. I died. I encourage you to take Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 11, and read through that. Because there is no doubt that God says you're dead. So why do you live in a place of deadness all the time? And we're going to probably teach more about that because it's so powerful. What I want you to do, though, is that I want you to be able to stand up with us, with me. And uh, let's see, baby. Where's the communion cup? Thank you, sugar. Yeah. Y'all got these things figured out? Yeah. There's two things you pull. First you pull the little clear thing here. There we go. And you've got a wafer there that is so delightfully delicious. Okay. <laughs> and then your second little thing, you gotta be careful on this one. Because you can douse yourself in this stuff. All right. Let's see, baby. Turn to Philippians here. When we receive communion... I love these words of Paul. When we receive communion and know that we are one with him, his body was broken, that we could have experienced oneness with him.
And two, that his blood was shed so that everything that should mark our life is new, is newness. Everything, guys. That's why, you know, Jesus knew that in the midst of the storm, God has something new on the other side. Didn't fear. He turned to the disciples and he said, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? He said, you're with me. (laughs) The thing about it is that we are always with him. Why do we allow ourselves to become so fearful about the matters of this life, the matters of this world? When we are one with him, and when his blood was shed for you and I, it brought us into a new place of life. Amen. Paul says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired, acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion. <laughs> he says, I run with passion into his abundance. It's his abundance. Communion reminds me that it is His abundance. So that I may reach the purpose that Jesus has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this because we can't. We're dead. Remember that. We're dead. We have no strength apart from His strength. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Paul understood the difference between living present past and present future. Since I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let us all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by this, these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one, following one path with one passion. So Father, we thank you that we are on your path. And we thank you that we are one with you. And Father, we thank you today as we receive this bread. We proclaim that we are one with you. Hallelujah. Before we receive from the cup, one thing I want us to do, because Paul said, I forget those things which are in the past. And I, and I run with a passion to engage with everything that God has for me in the future. Do you still have your back door open to your life? The back door that leads to your past, that leads to reminders of things of the past. Cause God doesn't even see that. Because you're dead. Okay. You're dead. Alright. He doesn't see it. He only sees the new you. 
He only sees the possibilities of what you could be, what could be revealed to you and that you could walk in and experience. It's amazing. So I want you to do something as a just an act this morning. I want you to turn around, put your hand behind you, and grab that doorknob. And I want you to pull the door shut. In your mind, you're saying, I no longer am influenced by my past. But because the blood that Jesus shed for me, the blood that brought two things into my life, it brought death and it brought life into me. <laughs> and I receive that right now. Amen? Let's receive it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you right now that we proclaim, Lord, that our life is new in you. And in that life, God, there is a steadfastness that we can be established in and live in and move in, Lord God, and we can change the atmosphere around us because of the steadfastness of God, of your sufficiency, Father, of your ability, of your strength, God, of all that you are. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, as we have opportunity even this week. We pray, Father, that we will walk in newness. God, we refuse to walk in the old man because he doesn't even exist anymore. It says in Romans that, that we were united into his death, we were united into his burial, and we were united into his resurrection that brought a new life. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God. We praise you, Father, for your goodness. Amen. All right. Went a little bit long. But do what, baby? Yeah. Oh, you missed it there. Were you, were you in heaven during that time or something, baby? You can tell this is getting a little bit older. It felt a little fermented. So. God bless you, okay? Next week, we're going to be here again at 10 o'clock. We're going to have a great time, all right? And uh, invite people to come with you, all right? And also remember, David and Debbie are going to be going out. So if you'd like to join them to engage with some students, meet them on, meet them on the porch, all right? <laughs>